Good morning again. So if you were hoping that I would talk about how Peter is not the Pope or something like that, you're going to be disappointed today. I'm sorry, I'm not going to straighten that one out for you. Um, I would like us to spend the focus of our time this morning on the words from Paul in Romans chapter 11, and especially Romans 11 verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Here's what I find amazing about these words. Romans is considered to be the most dense book of Christian theology in the Bible. For 11 chapters, Paul has been plumbing the depths of God, evil, and how God is going to sort all these things out. For 11 chapters, he's been doing this. I know some of you have been in churches that have spent years going through this book, right? And at this point in the book, so Paul has spent these 11 chapters delving into these issues of theology. He's about to shift and the rest of the book is going to be very much boots on the ground kinds of things. Here's how you need to live in light of this. But as he makes that shift from the deepest parts of Christian theology into how we live, he ends with these lines. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Do you see what he's doing? Paul has gone as far as a human being can go into the depths of who God is and into the depths of evil in the world, into the depths of how God will make that right. But as he concludes that, he says, there are depths that we cannot even search. There are things about the mysteries of God that we cannot even know. That's remarkable to me. It reminds me a couple years ago, I was studying for some reason on what is the depth of the ocean? What have we been able to calculate for the depth of the ocean? Here's the really funny thing about trying to identify the depth of the ocean. Every time humans have tried to identify the depth of the ocean, it gets deeper. It's as if our technologies develop and whatever depth we found before, it, it wasn't as deep as it really was. Or it literally keeps getting deeper. And there's a parallel here when it comes to our sense of who God is. It does not matter how brilliant you are. It does not matter how mature you become in the Christian faith, how mature a follower of Jesus you become, there will always be more of God. There will always be things of God that are, in a, that are beyond us. There will all be, always be mysteries about God. Uh, someone recommended to Katie and to me a, a podcast about trauma and people who experience trauma. 
And the speaker is this woman who studied trauma for 40 years. And she starts her speech. She's supposed to ask, answer the question, where is God when trauma occurs? And she begins it in, I think, the most brilliant way. She says, I don't know where God is in these moments. I've asked him, and he hasn't told me. But I know that he's there. So, Chris, I want to talk with you for a little bit about this this morning. Christians throughout history have always found it important to emphasize this in some way. And I want to give you sort of a survey of ways that Christians have talked about this. So there was one early Christian. He described God in what I find is just a, a lovely way. He described God as a bright darkness. What in the world could that ever mean? God is a bright darkness. What he means is that it is not as if God has revealed nothing to us about himself. He has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus. When we look at God, he helps us to see who we are. And he helps us to understand the world and the brokenness of the world. Even though God shines light on who we are, our sinfulness, and on the world, and our need for relationship with him... Even though he is a brightness, there are also these depths of God that we will never completely comprehend. And in this sense, God is a bright darkness. Now there's another Christian, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas was writing what would become one of the most influential and powerful works of theology in all Christian history. Even if you, uh, you know, don't agree with everything that Thomas wrote, it's still an amazing work that he did. It was, uh, it was not finished, and Thomas had been writing for about 40 years, and all of a sudden, he stopped writing. And his secretary said to him, why won't you write? Why won't you write? And Thomas says, everything that I've written appears to me as straw before God. <laughs> No matter the depths that he had plumbed, there were still more. Now, my favorite of all that Christians have said about this topic is what a guy named Origen, one of the earliest Christian writers, said about this very passage. Origen said, Paul did not say that it is hard to search out the the ways of God. He said, one cannot search out the ways of God at all. Paul did not say it is hard to discover the ways of God. He said, it is impossible to discover the ways of God. Now, I'm not sure that that's exactly comforting for a lot of us, is it? That may not sit well with us. How does it help us that God is so far beyond us? How does that bless us? I heard a story this week, actually, on this passage. If, um, if I mean, I know many of you listen to podcasts. There, there is a, a Catholic preacher. His name is Robert Barron. And if you listen to podcasts, I do recommend them to you. And I'm not 
I'm going to be shameless in saying that I love listening to him, and he even helps me as I'm reflecting on these things. He used this wonderful story. Think of a child, a child who grows up hearing his parents or her parents say how much they love them. But then that child finds it very strange the way that their parents love them. They want to stay up at night, right? They don't want to go to bed. And the parent is insistent that they have to go to bed. And then the parent sometimes will discipline the child. And as they're disciplining the child, the parent will say, I love you. And the child is thinking, I don't understand what this I love you means right now. And then the, the parent will even take the child to the doctor where people will stick needles in the child. And the parent all the while is saying, I love you. And the child does not understand why the parent is doing this. But when a child grows up, hopefully, ideally, right? They realize that the parent really did intend love for them all along. And this is the situation that we find ourselves in in relation to God. No matter how old we become and wise we become, no matter how knowledgeable we become, we are always a child in relationship to God. And His ways are always far beyond us. Our passages this morning in various ways tell us, even though there are things that we cannot know about God, there are many things that we can know about God. So for instance, our psalm, our psalm says that great is the glory of the Lord, for though the Lord be high, yet he has respect for the lowly. This is something that we can know about God, that he has revealed to us about himself, that God, as high as he is, and as great and mysterious as he is, he loves us. And he especially loves us in our weakness and in our humility. This is something that we can know and hang our hat on about God. Do, do you feel weak and do you feel lowly? God loves you in that lowliness and in that weakness. He cares about you in that. Our passage in Romans, though, also reveals to us this other aspect about God. You see, this passage that Debbie read for us, it has many, this really complicated and thorny issue that it's dealing with related to the Jews and the Gentiles. And I'm not going to claim to have figured this out. And in fact, I am skeptical of anyone who say that they have figured this out. What, what I do see in this passage is that God is committed to his promises. And God is infinitely creative when it comes to fulfilling his promises. So God is saying, even though the Jews have rejected him in this moment, even though they've rejected his own son, his promises are irrevocable, and he will be faithful to his people. And so in some way, I don't know what this way is, God is not finished with the people of Israel. He is not finished with his people. 
Does that mean that the modern state of Israel represents God's elect? I, I, I'm not sure about that. But what I do know is that God is committed to his people. And what I want you, what this means for all of us, how this translates into our lives, is it is good news that God is committed to stubborn people. Because do you know any stubborn people? Do you? Amen. God is committed to his promises to stubborn people. And here's the amazing thing about that. God is infinitely creative in how he will fulfill his promises to us. So they've rejected him, right? They've rejected him. But God is saying there will be a day when all of Israel comes in. There will be a day. When all of Israel comes in. What we need to think about this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. God will somehow manage to work all things out for good for his people. God is like this amazing divine ninja warrior. He is. Think about this. A ninja is using the weight of his enemy against him. Every move that the enemy does against him, he finds a way to turn it back on him. And this is what God is constantly doing with evil. God is constantly undermining evil and turning it for his own purposes and his own good. Look, you should not be surprised when sin and evil come against you in your life. You shouldn't. But you should also know that the promises of God, he's accounted for that. Even the wrong that you do, he has accounted for in some way. Whether it's evil done to you or evil that you do, God somehow, in his wisdom that we're not able to understand or imagine, he's accounted for it. And if you continue to come back to God, God somehow, in his wisdom, will make good. And he will make good on his promises to you. This is why Jesus can say what he does in Matthew, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Because it doesn't matter what the gates of hell bring against his church. It doesn't matter what the gates of hell are unleashing on the church right now. It does not matter. Because God's ways are so far beyond us, and he will find a way to preserve his people in the midst of every challenge and every evil. You see, it's not as if God has revealed nothing to us about himself. He's given us enough. He loves us. He loves us in our lowliness. And not only that, he will always fulfill his promises to us and he will be infinitely creative in doing that. So the question I think for us Are you reveling in the mystery of this God whose ways are so unsearchable, whose ways are so far beyond you? Are you resting in that mystery and in that deep, unimaginable love that he has for you? Amen.